0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Le Porti podcast, where Misha and today Ed and I are talking about what happened in the hospitality industry last week. We found the most interesting sources and news, and we're talking about them more, sharing opinions, and um, it's very subjective, right? So, guys, hello. It's,
1: it's an intermix of uh, facts and opinions. <laughs> Is it, okay. Is it, is it more opinions than facts? Uh, we haven't measured the, the percentage-wise, but I think uh, so far we have a good equilibrium between facts and opinions.
0: Exactly. Guys, Ed, you're the first time here. You want to present yourself quickly? Who are you?
1: Sure. Uh,
2: I'm Ed, also mostly known as Ed. Um, I know these two from working with them. I have uh, a background in uh, hospitality, project management, and property management all around. uh, After graduating from uni, I used to uh, own and run a letting agency in the UK, and six years later sold it, and then uh, jumped into the world of apart hotels, set up an apart hotel in the north of England, and then moved over to Berlin to work for Numa, where we opens uh, hotels across
1: Europe. So, what are the what are the exciting new, first news of the week? Well, um, there's been quite a few articles on multiple sources about CEOs of various uh, hotel companies, for example, Sebastian Bason from Accor, being very optimistic about the future. In a nutshell, <clears throat> what is currently happening, and we've discussed before. Um, Basically, the growth of real estate has, grown. has basically slowed down. There's a whole lot less of new openings. On average, in the US alone, there's basically additional 2.5% of inventory every year new. <clears throat> now it's around 04 mostly related to the financial crisis, uh, high interest rates, and so on and so forth. But good news for 100 years, they have less competition. And uh, as a, this basically is attributed to very high ATRs and very high occupancies in already existing inventory. So that's the piece of news. Uh, basically, uh, the, the CEOs are excited. However, um, to me, it seems a bit short-sighted. Um,
0: but why? I mean, maybe they're happy in the moment. So <laughs> they did it they say they're happy for the future. I mean, right. Like I think hoteliers had a really hard time um, during the pandemic and everything. And rates just have been kind of equal. And now they've been higher than in 2019, about 20%. And I think people were, or at least hoteliers or the hotel- hospitality industry was very scared that people would stop traveling now with the increase and, and with the inflation and layoffs and so on.
1: It, it definitely looks good at the moment, but that's the precise issue, right? You you, you as a CEO, I'm, I'm sure maybe they're just selling their stock, right? People should invest and so on and so forth. But long-term, we've never had a crisis on such a scale where everybody came out of it fine. Yeah, but. So, right now, right then, unemployment is record low. The companies are bringing in cash. However, production has slowed on all fronts. Import and exports have slowed down on, ev- on almost all metrics. So, what could be happening is a very slow burn rate, which is going to catch up with currently is influencing quite a lot the production industry, right? Manufacturing and all that, not services, but that in turn can then impact the service industry and actually bring a lot of people down, right? So people are traveling a lot right now because unemployment rate is record low. But if companies start going bust, as it's currently happening in production industry, for example, you know, the typical story of egg producers <laughs> in the United States, um, then uh, this is going to basically be a snowball that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then the financial crisis is going to fully bloom.
0: But I think it's still a bit of counterintuitive. I think... At least CEOs of hotels were expecting for travel to slow down earlier or having slowed down already. So for them, it's kind of counterintuitive that they still can raise their their rates so high and people still travel so much. No. So actually, it is kind of good news. Well, it's it's like now.
1: it's like saying good news while your bus is going full speed ahead, and there is an an edge and which you, a cliff which you go right, we are right about to basically drive off into the abyss, right? So, what would be w- the solution? There isn't mm-hmm. any solution. Not being happy. <laughs> no, warning people, right? I mean, well, yes, that's but true, right? But then decrease
0: the people traveling, right? Warning people spreads fear, and that will stop. People spending and traveling and experiencing beautiful things.
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the CEOs are doing what they need to be doing, right? Ramping up hype. But uh, for us regular people, perhaps we need to be aware of the fact that we might be on a bus that is flying, literally about to fly off a cliff.
0: What do you think, Ian?
1: I think it's all speculation.
2: I think he's doing a job at trying to keep his investors, his uh, shareholders happy by grabbing on any straw he's got to make his industry and his company look good. So he's doing he's doing what he's supposed to do to be fair.
0: But there is also the trend that people value travel and experience much more than like physical things. So do you guys see the potential that people keep traveling even during a downturn? Yeah. People of people still want
2: to travel, they'll just have to travel differently. So they'll have smaller budgets or so they'll have to change their destination. So instead of a couple going from Berlin to Malaysia, let's say, or Thailand they'll probably look at doing shorter getaway trips maybe shorter times as well maybe they'll end up going to Lisbon instead or they might just do a short getaway trip outside the city which is a trend that is booming at the moment which are small Airbnbs little cute hotels outside of a city where someone can go over for a short um, weekend trip away or They could spend a whole week there, the whole week, but work from home there.
0: I think there is also a huge spread um, because luxury is still booming. People who have money uh, can afford big rates. And I also think there's going to be an increase in demand in budget accommodation.
1: We'll see. I mean, in a nutshell, though, as we talked about it last week, uh, attracting local customers (coughs) might be a pretty good thing in the end, right? (coughs) Um, all right. I think next piece of news.
0: Da, 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 da. Uh,
1: Latin America, amazing. No, um, Latin American performance and travel. So uh, last week we, or a few weeks ago, we looked at uh, tourism statistics. Right, first world apparently is performing way better and has recovered way quicker than the rest of the rest of the the globe. Why? Basically, uh, the economic. This is kind of a rule of thumb in economic growth. First world countries generally have more resources to pump into the economy if things have gone wrong and therefore they can basically revitalize much quicker and as a result also travel is basically a side effect of that Um, so there was an interesting article recently discussing how different countries are doing in Latin America and uh, in a nutshell they are all doing well more or less however there's a few exceptions Uh, first of all Peru Peru apparently is currently having a bit of a political crisis in fact there was a new president elected and this is actually now causing a, a much slower increase in travel so basically because it's 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 inherently isn't uh, right in germany new elections find people will still travel in peru new elections means destabilization less investment and less travel
0: doesn't it be depend on the new president whether it has less investment and so on
1: well it it just shows that the political system isn't as stable as in let's say most of the world, first world countries and therefore, any um, any turbulence in that system causes side effects that actually can be seen in the economy. The same thing can be seen as well in uh, in Chile. Chile, there was a new president elect, so they went from right wing to left wing. There was a lot of sort of um, protesting in the country themselves. And as a result, during Corona period, they had a really tough period of time, and mm-hmm. and just basically trying to survive. And now the recovery is also slower. <clears throat> it's a very interesting uh, set of uh, news, right? Because. <sighs> for us Europeans you know the travel to travel comes back and we look at industries and businesses and and how you know entire populations just get up and start traveling again but for third world countries in Latin America it's a pretty interesting side by side comparison while everybody else is doing fine because they didn't have any elections those that did actually are not doing as fine because the political systems are not stable
0: I never really thought about that yeah a political election could actually impact travel that immediately because I thought you know, I mean, every new political leader sets up his new rules, and this, de- or like they decide, or political party sets up where they want to invest and what they want to grow, right? So, depending whether they have more investment that kind of favors travel, then it will increase, but it would like that it does it so immediately.
1: I mean, I mean, we're so used to, I think, sort of, at least, uh, let's say, Western <laughs> Western economies and Western <laughs> countries that uh, have um, political leaders that might do something, but there is such old and such sort of traditional systems of political power whether it's the you know the the parliament or the various kinds of courts that any given president or you know elect cannot do so much change but a new president in peru can come in and basically shake things up and go put half of the government into prison from one day to another, right? I mean, this is specifically seen in countries like like Russia, right? Where one person can decide for the entire country to go to prison, uh, prison, sorry, to go to war, right? Hopefully one day to prison, but uh, to -hmm. war. So for those of you who want to invest into travel, I mean, it's just another reminder. First world may be a bit more stable, therefore it's more expensive, right, to invest, and therefore low risk, but maybe lower return. Here's an
2: interesting side note. Um, I saw not long ago... I saw not long ago um, a subdomain type of traveling which is I think it's called crisis traveling where people tend to get amazing deals by booking tickets to go to somewhere that either recently had was a war zone or was um, uh, just passed through a hurricane or something like that and they tend to get great deals and enjoy themselves uh, and they get security all to them uh, so there's, I think there's one guy on the BBC or something. I think he went to Kabul or something like that. And he said he had a great time,
1: unless he got <laughs> beheaded, right? Yeah, yeah
0: I think. Uh, yeah, debatable for many reasons. Okay, but so. let's let's say
2: <laughs> let's say uh, in Thailand uh, there was a flood, and you got tickets worth a tenth of what they were. Yeah, the flood is not going to happen. A, again a again month afterwards, right. would you
1: would you go? Would you consider it? Me yes, but not with my wife. By myself,
2: we could go together.
1: All right, me and you.
0: (laughs) You guys are so cute. Oh!
1: We'll do some flood explorations traveling together. But to compensate, we have to volunteer a little bit.
0: But guys, it's kind of like you, kind of like raping benefits of other people's like horrible experience.
1: That is correct.
0: Which I think is, Is I think is a bit debatable.
2: Is it though? Hold on. So, let's imagine... You're getting
0: better deals because other people had, like, a disaster happened. Okay, you could but say, if you
2: didn't buy those tickets, would they have received no money then? Would you rather them receive no <coughs> money or would you at least pay them a little bit to <coughs> help them survive? I'm sure they're not charging money to us. Pay what they, they had
0: money. before, what the, the rates they had. You should actually invest for real. Pay real rates.
2: Oh, so then it's, right? not, it's not you that's being immoral. It's the person who's... It's whoever's pricing.
0: Yeah exactly so why are you getting upset so why us? Would you,
2: we're I still mean, paying it's just and maybe if it's the more the if the more paid hold on if the more paid the prices would go up so you're the one who's immoral
1: by not paying anything it's,
0: it, no that's not the point <laughs> it's the way of actually seeking out cheap deals based on other people's disasters.
1: i actually agree with that so uh you're the reason so you know a lot of third world <laughs> countries don't recover from this because people are afraid to go there for years and people like uh, that wonderful gentleman from BBC and maybe future Ed and me actually don't care. And we go travel anyways to support the local maybe tourism. Maybe we'll set
2: up If you we'll go to support,
0: then I, I will I will kind that, of go. I feel like those Korean
1: guys who laugh, you know, wherever they like travel. I felt like the
0: way you were saying it was like
1: All a right. little bit of... Hashtag support crisis tourism.
0: Hashtag yes. Hashtag local support.
1: All right. All right. Next piece of Next piece of news. Sure. thanks uh, for that sure discussion, discussion. <laughs> on that note uh, we will move on to things outside of the hospitality <coughs> thank you very um you've just announced the next piece of news make sure you cough between the <laughs> um brazil a uh, favorite place of our dear colleague ed um brazil wants to basically cut down quite a bit of forestry or quite a bit of the 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 wonderful, you know, Amazon, mysterious Amazon, mysterious Amazon, to build roads, specifically to build roads to connect to Peru, to Bolivia, and to basically establish infrastructure. And guess what? There's been quite a lot of protest and uproar. In fact, local indigenous people have created uh, Change.org petitions that they basically this is genocide. And uh, well, obviously, quite a lot of Western media has picked up and basically said that this is a terrible thing and how dare they uh, get rid of Amazon. Now, um, very easy thing to say. This also sounds very similar to the news we had a few months ago, if you remember, where Peru wanted to build a railroad. Mexico. And, uh, sorry, was it Mexico?
0: Mexico, yes.
1: Mexico wanted to build a railroad to actually basically connect quite a lot of cities and collect a lot of tourism areas and make it more easy. And there was the same thing, same reaction. Um, to me, I mean, this is, this is all... Fine and well, but uh, countries like this need to build infrastructure. And while we in Europe uh, and the U.S. Right, are sitting there, having cut down most of the woods and <laughs> destroyed all the local wildlife that was mildly dangerous, are enjoying the fruits of that and being able to create infrastructure and not worry about it, these countries are still stuck. In the, um, right? um, Brazil has, I think, somewhere around 30 40% of its country just not, it cannot populate it because there is no way to reach those areas. So what should they do? I feel like uh, Brazil could
2: uh, build some railway roads for starters. For example, there's there's just no railroads in the entire Brazil. So to get from Rio to São Paulo, even though it's fairly close, the only way you can get there is by car, bus, lorry, which is insane to me. Um, so the you're saying there's that my Brazilian friends are telling me is it's it's all got to do because of um, what do you call it, of um, uh, (laughs) the words come out of my mind. Uh, What's it called?
0: What are you looking for? Is it an organization? Corruption. Corruption.
2: Uh. It's all got to do with corruption. Uh, And that the rich want to keep the the people poor. Uh, And that if there is any large infrastructure project, there's always a huge amount of corruption in there, delays, things that are not well done and so that's that's really what's holding brazil back i remember when i moved there in 2004 and by 2005 2006 you know brazil was was known as the up and coming giants they were part of the brics which is, you know russia india china brazil yeah.
0: okay so you guys think that preserving the amazon and the in the only indigenous people who are still out there, living their life, a very different life that we do.
2: I think they should Isn't preserve a... the Amazon, but build an infrastructure within the cities from each other that
1: are towards the coast. No, yeah, it makes sense, right? While you, while you could claim that they're building a, like, a wonderful road that everybody needs, they still don't even have basic infrastructure in the main city areas, yeah, right? start there. So, um,
0: so actually, the, the protest that is happening to build the, the, the railroad through the Amazon is a good thing. They should build it somewhere else.
1: It might also be, you never know, right? It might be just a cheap uh, (coughs) attempt at trying to basically get some lumber, right? Uh, And pretending it's an infrastructure project. We never know. I mean, you know, you could say, right, building roads is by definition a positive, right? Connecting cities. That's how China, uh, actually, one of the biggest things China did after 2008 is when everybody was basically collapsing, China decided to basically print a huge amount of money and, and decide to finance the biggest infrastructure project in human history. They have the big 50% of all speed railroads you know the bullet train railroads are in China and they were built since 2008 as part of that project right and this is one of the reasons why they grew so much. so um, uh, it doesn't we don't really know the motivation here but obviously the, the side effect could be that you know you could have uh, much easier logistics between uh, Latin America themselves, the Latin American countries. I remember, right, Chile and Bolivia have two, three roads connecting them. And these roads are just terrible, right, compared to the German autobahn, right? The complexity of bringing a truck through, the fact that there is no petrol station sometimes, it makes it more complicated and more expensive to do trade, right? Yeah, uh, but we, I mean,
0: I, I, I do understand your discussion, right? And I think rationally and financially it makes all sense. But I think we completely forget... The, the aspect of nature, of preserving. There are not many places in the world that don't have railroads, that are like unique, big forests that are thousands of years old, right? And like, should we really connect all of them, um, make them all accessible, or should we preserve some parts of the world that are still kind of sane?
1: Whatever it is, I think it's the decision of the local people. Right. So the people who live in Brazil, and hopefully the, com- the government that was you know, democratically elected to do that, to make those decisions. Yeah. Probably not ours sitting here. No, no,
0: for sure. I mean, that's a discussion. We, I mean, it's pretty sure that we won't decide. Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. get a say, but it's more like we're, it's opinions, right? I mean, there is a recent I mean, project like, as
1: well in Ethiopia, actually, out of all places. They are building up one of the biggest, the biggest dam in Africa. And they might actually damage quite a lot of water supply for the entire continent, for Egypt and for Sudan, I think. Uh, But they might create the basically facilitated electricity, first of all, for the entire Ethiopia and also for neighboring countries. Because currently around 40 percent of people there don't have electricity. That's incredible. Right. And a project like that is similar. So they're going to flood, I think, around an area of London by creating that dam. Right. That's impacting nature, but it's a decision that Ethiopians definitely were um, rooting for. There's actually an internal conflict between Egypt and mm. Ethiopia because it might impact their water supply, <coughs> but um, as, a, as a project, the government and the people have decided, right? And, but I think that's the thing, that you, you have to decide, would you like to have a nice, huge natural reserve or a huge park, or would you like to have a dam that will produce electricity for the entire country? And unfortunately, sometimes you have to make those uh,
0: hard decisions to make all right let's move on
1: would you like to do the cough (coughs) next news Um, we have quite a lot of things happening Um, first and foremost there's been another economic forecast everyone I think we could do the at this point once a week we can do a economic forecast of the week because once a week some organization makes an economic forecast on how things are going to be and this week it's uh, OECD it's basically the, the economic Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. It's basically the organization that brings together first world countries and does analysis, you know, brings people together, tries to basically recommend policies and so on and so forth. Now, what they've done is they've said, hey, uh, this year, uh, while we might decrease the, the, the forecast a little bit in terms of economic growth, we think things are going really well. They basically said that, uh, first of all, uh, Lower energy prices have started to drop. Uh, supply chain conditions have actually improved again in terms of globalization. China is back on the market and back to doing business. So they're not doing any more lockdowns apparently. And uh, yeah, um, if this persists, high in- inflation rates. Uh, sorry, higher. First of all, inflation has been dropping, and high interest rates can be finally dropped, and maybe we can go back, back to normal. Now, on a nutshell, sounds like a pretty good forecast. However if you look at the my thing, energy bills have still gone up so I think you should write them a letter I will bullshit uh, yeah this doesn't work no but uh, as a whole right um, this this, a lot of this forecast and predictions to me look a lot like um, side effects or you know things that are come out after the, co- the the cause itself right let's say corona <laughs> or an entire country deciding to start a war right so this forecast to me are quite useless they're basically looking at things that have already happened and uh, not necessarily actually predicting anything because we don't know what's going to happen. Putin might decide to nuke Warsaw. That's definitely going to shake up quite a lot of things, right?
0: (coughs) So you say that's just the forecast and we should take it with a pinch of salt. So they're actually kind of saying the same thing as the CEOs of the hospitality industry companies. They're like, oh, we're good.
1: They're basically exactly looking at current KPIs, let's say, and... They're not really diagnosing, let's say, a problem. Let's say, for example, a hotel business. Basically, what hotel businesses are doing right now is saying, our business model is amazing, we're making record money, yet they don't know the fact that actually might be that. In September and October, they'll make no money because compared to their competition, their reviews are terrible and nobody wants to stay with them, right? So they're not actually looking at the causes that might impact the economy. They're just saying, well, old indicators are saying we're doing well, therefore, we will... Well, they've decreased the focus slightly, but we'll do help.
0: And instead, they should prepare. That's what you're saying. Not
1: prepare, but at least provide, try to analyze and provide insight right, into things that actually might influence the economy. For example, uh, one of the things that will impact energy prices in the next two three years is how Europe will start sourcing oil and gas. Because currently they completely have stopped buying gas and oil from Russia, right? And alternatives have not been found yet. And uh, while Europe has reserves for one or two years, if they will not find anything, we'll have a pretty fucking terrible situation in our hands in, let's say, two years. And uh, as we saw from a few weeks ago, right? <coughs> Thank you, Miriam, but it's not next news yet. Um, uh, as we saw a few weeks ago, um, the German government uh, actually closed down heavy, infrastructure, heavy industry during the winter to preserve gas uh, reserves to make sure that you can heat homes. So no metals, no plastics were produced in Germany during the entire winter. And we can do this for one or two years. But after that, if you don't have basic resources to actually do your manufacturing, everything is going to go up in prices. And not like 10-20%, like triple.
0: No. So that's a very grim forecast that you have. No, to but
1: that, the, well, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Because the European, I'm sure the European Union is not trying to buy gas probably from everyone, right? Establish routes, build new gas, uh, you know, stations. But that's that those are the kind of things that will impact stuff. They're not they're the causes. They're not the, they're not the the side effects. Let's put it this way.
0: All right. I,
1: I, yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you like to give the call <laughs> and we can move on to next news? <coughs> thank you. Thank yeah, you very thank much. You. Interesting piece of news this week. Elon Musk. Uh, the hero
0: of 21st I'm century. I'm a
1: big fan of Elon
0: Musk. I don't really like Do him. you
1: invest in, uh, in Tesla? I do, indeed. Me <laughs> <Anyone>? know <laughs> so, so maybe you're slightly subjective. <laughs> now, uh, Elon yeah. Musk and actually a bunch of other CEOs of a variety of different companies uh including for example jp morgan uh uh quietly visiting china
0: Mm.
1: so there was no pr so So how do you know well uh, well routers basically track the activities and you know it's still public where they go and what they do and um, it is just no pr stunts like usually when they Mm. go somewhere they make official announcements (coughs) they try to you know get shit done. But uh, this way, for example, Musk, right, he's this owner of Twitter and everything he does, everywhere he goes, he posts about on mm. Twitter. Nothing on his Twitter has been indicated that he's gone to China. What are they doing there? Simple. They're meeting with uh, government officials and various kinds of ministries to find out what's up. What are the new rules of the game? What are they going to be doing? Can we do business here? And so on and so forth.
0: Huh. And why do you think it's quiet?
1: Well, I mean, politically speaking, China isn't really anymore a friend of anybody, right? The United States is becoming a trade war uh, opponent, right? Uh, European uh, European Union is very, very weary of uh, China and basically everybody's trying to break contacts with China, right? Mm. And China has also made accusations and people are worried that they might invade Taiwan, right? So China isn't really the hot... Uh, the hot, uh, sexy cake, on whatever. I don't know. That's not one, really what saying, but uh, they're not really the <laughs> the, the attractive. Uh, uh, best friend. Uh, yeah, exactly. On the at the moment, so maybe that's why.
0: Mm. But if they make, if they can make business, then they become friends.
1: Yep. In the end, it's all about money.
0: It's all about money. Right.
1: Yes. <laughs> all right. The share
2: price has gone up to of Tesla has gone up to. Two hundred and twenty-five dollars, almost.
0: From, what was it, three months ago?
2: Three months ago? uh, It was at a... I think it was at a hundred and seventy-two? Oh no, that was since I bought
0: it. Yeah, Ah, you made some money on them! Yes! Great! Nish, what do you think? One, it's gonna drop as soon as they need to.
1: I mean, it depends, right? What the valuation, <coughs> what the valuation is of of Tesla, right? I know the total valuation. I think it puts it almost at a trillion at this point, no? That's a pretty, pretty, pretty scary number. Correct. Well, on that note, um, I mean that's it. We've looked at a bunch of other stuff. Um, the world is slowly ticking.
0: Yeah, we looked at forecasts, different ones. Pretty much. Some some are positive. Forecast, the world forecast? Everybody
1: seems to be positive. It
0: seems to be like a very definite like positive sentiment. I was at the hospitality real estate um conference in Frankfurt last week, and the hospitality industry does have kind of like the positive outlook because they have feel they have good rates. Yeah, China is coming back. They're start traveling. India is gonna start traveling. Rates haven't dropped, so um, investors still want to buy and renovate real estate what you said before is true that they don't want to have many new builds and developments but they want to recover or like
1: maybe that's what we'll take to have this whole thing over and behind us optimism
0: yes yes
1: and on that note um we'll come back to you next week Uh, with the same amount of news. If you want to receive the podcast one day before, make sure you subscribe on deportee.com. The link will be provided in the description. All the sources are also in the description. Uh, Thank you very much. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye.